0: Today is Sunday, June 7th. My name is Tania Roy, and you're listening to The Fourth Estate. It's been 18 years working towards this goal. It's, It's hard to believe that it's happened. One step away from turning science fiction into reality, last week SpaceX became the first private company to send humans into orbit. As the aerospace firm blasts into uncharted territory, what avenues are expected to open up in the field of commercial human space flight? Then we have the reporter's diary, where Mumbai-based journalists Srishti Kapoor and I decode the economic and socio-political issues the country might have to face as India comes out of lockdown. And lastly, as protests over police brutality continued in the US, section 230, the law that protects free speech on the internet, came under fire. What relevance does the law assume at a time with the rising presence of businesses online? I mean, I'm really quite overcome uh, with emotion uh, on this day. It's, It's kind of hard to talk, frankly. That was SpaceX founder Elon Musk. On 30th May, SpaceX sent two NASA astronauts, Bob Benkin and Doug Hurley to the International Space Station in Crew Dragon capsule using its reusable Falcon 9 rocket. The NASA veterans will spend up to 119 days on board before getting back to Earth. Until now, NASA relied on Russia's Roscosmos and Soyuz spacecraft to send astronauts to the International Space Station. The mission could save more than $30 million per astronaut per trip. NASA also plans to send tourists on the SpaceX craft for the first time. And what's more, the space agency and Hollywood actor Tom Cruise are in talks about shooting a movie at the International Space Station. Can't wait to watch a movie shot on a location 250 miles up in the air and orbiting the Earth once every 90 minutes. A phased emergence from the lockdown, which has been in effect since March, will begin tomorrow. Srishti Kapoor is here to discuss the socio-political and economic impact India might have to face as it comes out of lockdown.
1: How much have the restrictions been already eased? So, Tanya, even before the lockdown's fourth phase ended, domestic travel had resumed. Flights resumed two months after suspension, and they have been operational since 25th May. Uh, rajdhani like trains, they started on 12th of May and are still continuing operations. Uh, The center and states have issued guidelines pertaining to travel. They include screening at railway stations and airports before the journey wearing uh, masks, maintaining social distancing, downloading the ROG Setu app, and several other guidelines. There are also guidelines that pertain to the quarantine of passengers that arrive in different states. Uh, There are different rules that pertain to the movement of taxis, cab aggregators, four-wheeler and two-wheeler vehicles, buses, which are in the demarcated red, green, and orange zones. Also, for public and private offices, The staff strength at which they can function has been defined in the uh, newest guidelines.
0: Right. So, Srishti, you live in Mumbai and Maharashtra's Mm -hmm. COVID-19 case tally is the highest in the country. There are Mm -hmm. news reports on hospital wards with corpses left unattended. Patients asked to sleep on the floor until beds open up. And Mumbai's public health system is overwhelmed with an increase in the numbers of positive cases. In fact, India has seen a rise in cases and deaths while the government is reopening land and skies. So, uh, what set of repercussions are these relaxations likely to bring along with them?
1: Uh, unfortunately, Tanya Maharashtra is the worst affected state and Mumbai is the worst affected city in the country and the outbreak has overwhelmed our healthcare system and the far better systems of countries like the US and Italy. If you think from the perspective of population density, ours is much higher as compared to the countries stated above. And so, the repercussions of easing restrictions here might be extremely dire. Now, we have the 6th highest cases in the world right now. That's right, we are behind US, Spain, Russia, Brazil and the UK. Now here is another alarming fact, when India went into lockdown, it had reported 519 confirmed cases and 10 deaths. On the day the fourth phase of the lockdown ended, we had reported over 1.9 lakh cases and over 5,000 deaths, with the daily spike increasing with each day. Reports had also said that if India kept recording cases at the current rate, it would overtake at least tally by Sunday. That report was proven wrong as we crossed Italy's Tally by Saturday itself. Also, uh, economic revival is an important aspect of Unlock 1.0, which began on 1st June. Mm. Uh, but with lots of migrants having returned home by trains, buses, tempos, on foot, the question is that who will work in the industries and construction sites that resume operations? And to give you perspective here, over 2.4 lakh migrants had returned to Chhattisgarh till 31st of May. Now this excludes those who could not undertake or unfortunately survive the journey. Now add similar numbers for other states to where workers have returned, that includes Gujarat, Karnataka, Uttar Pradesh, Madhya Pradesh, West Bengal and many more states. Uh, Many migrants have also told journalists that they would rather go to their native places and earn less than stay in the city and earn more. And it is very clear that the government not having foreseen daily wages, running out of food and jobs after a lockdown uh, points to a policy failure. The unprecedented situation has taken us all by surprise, but it has only aggravated the constant struggle of their survival.
0: Right. On a lighter note, as we can see, our lifestyle is shaping up differently. How is life with the mask? I mean, do you go out often to buy essentials or just take a walk?
1: Unfortunately, starting on not a very light note, it's not a pleasant experience at all. But <laughs> consider it just a fraction of the full body protective gear that frontline workers have to wear for hours at a stretch. And uh, even as I talk to you, a member living in my housing complex has tested positive for the virus. So we all have to realize that the virus is at our doorsteps and staying home and wearing a mask when outside are more important than ever but on a lighter note Tanya have you heard the creative punishments that policemen have come up with for lockdown violators what are those uh, so here in Mumbai morning walkers in Andheri were made to do sit-ups violators in Pune did yoga those found outside their homes in Rishikesh were asked to write sorry 500 times and here is one that will resonate with Jamal fans like you and me, Tanya. Jaipur police warn lockdown violators that it will use the song Masakali's rebooted version if people are roaming outside unnecessarily. And I'd rather not listen to that song. <laughs> I know
0: that song, yeah. It reminds me of my quarantine-induced boredom. Srishti, we used to party together back in Mumbai. Would you now visit cafes and pubs when everything opens? Do you think
1: it's going to be safe? Yeah, we were regular visitors uh, at various eateries and pubs in mumbai actually and we have undertaken quite a few travels together too so just like other aspects hit by the virus and the need for social distancing hospitality and tourism sectors are badly hit uh, many hotels they may shut permanently due to the mounting economic stress the ICRS said Restaurants, even if they open with measures like social distancing norms, use of the Aarogya Setu app and temperature checks, they may still see lesser visitors, especially till the time a cure or a vaccine comes out. And uh, tourism, you have to consider, is not just a victim of the outbreak, but also one of its main components, that is travel, can also cause the spread of virus and essentially reverse the progress that has been made uh, so far in controlling the virus's spread. But uh, Tanya, hospitality and tourism is only one of the many industries that the 20 lakh crore economic package is supposed to provide relief to. Uh, So behind this one daunting consolidated figure, what is the magnitude of the brunt our economy has borne till now and is likely to bear in the future?
0: Right. So... You know, the Indian economy was already sailing through troubled waters with a prolonged slowdown, an impaired financial system, and unemployment. The three major contributors to GDP, domestic consumption, investment, and trade, all have been impacted severely by the pandemic. According Mm -hmm. to government data... GDP numbers for the January-March quarter, which barely witnessed the COVID-19-induced lockdown, slowed to 3.1%, which is the lowest in 44 quarters or 11 years. And the provisional figure for the full-year GDP growth rate shows that the economy grew by 4.2% in 2019-20. This is the lowest annual growth rate of GDP under the new GDP data series. And added to that, Mm -hmm. the World Bank estimates that India's GDP growth rate will fall to 1.5 to 2.8% in the current fiscal, that is, FI21. And that Mm -hmm. would lead to the slowest GDP growth rate since 1991. Then we see Moody's downgrading India's rating, just a notch above junk status. And this happened for the first time since June 1998. The rating agency has clearly said that the decision was not driven by the pandemic. Rather, the pandemic amplifies vulnerabilities in India's credit profile that were building prior to the shock. Now, if we talk about the 20.9 trillion rupees package, that is majorly directed towards supply side. But supply needs to be matched with demand. The stimulus provided for businesses relies heavily on bank credit. Small businesses are already leveraged and dealing with a loss of revenue. They may not be willing to borrow more from banks and uh, recently SBI chairman Rajneesh Kumar has said that banks are left with no choice but to put money in the RBI because there is no demand for loan. The Hmm. central bank's targeted long-term repo operations saw very low bidding indicating heightened risk aversion. On the other side, according to experts, lenders may see bad loans climbing. And there is news about the Supreme Court seeking the Finance Ministry and RBI's reply on waiver of interest on term loans during moratorium period. Now, if we look at the auto sector. In Mm -hmm. April, most car makers failed to sell even a single vehicle in the entire month. Then we have job losses. According to the Centre for Monitoring the Indian Economy, 122 million Indians lost their job in April alone. And news about layoffs has become common in these tough times. Unemployment has hit each and every sector, from automobiles to aviation, real estate to travel and tourism, media and entertainment to education. Every sector has been impacted. In fact, according to a recent report by Dunn and Bradstreet, the Indian economy is likely to slip into recession in the third quarter of this fiscal due to job losses and lack of recovery in consumer demand. So, Srishti, overall the impact has been devastating and chances of economic recovery seems remote. But apart from the economic impact, it is said that the outbreak is likely to bring in a new world order. Have there been any significant changes in global relations in
1: the past few months? In answer to that, Tanya, I would like to first point out that the pandemic has seen similar actions by India and the U.S. India and U.S. are helping each other out. India sent a sizable stock of hydroxychloroquine to the U.S. It has received tech for a low-cost ventilator developed by NASA in return. On the downside, um, of this common theme. Many Indian leaders were criticized for their slow or deficient response to the outbreak. And Donald Trump has been in the headlines since earlier months of the pandemic for refusing to get tested or wearing a mask during public appearances until very recently. Uh, But most importantly, both countries have faced immense public anticipation with regards to the easing of restrictions and the governments have bowed down to this pressure and the pressing necessity of getting the economy back up and running. Uh, The WHO has said that the novel coronavirus may never go away and uh, that people will have to learn to live with it. Now, what impact would a tremendous increase in movement of persons outside of their homes have on the graph of the outbreak remains to be seen. But the way COVID has paralyzed lives, economies, countries, the world awaits a cure or a vaccine, Tanya, but only 10 are under clinical trial. Uh, The U.S. has started Operation Warp Speed, Uh, which aims to deliver a vaccine by the end of this year. And India has pledged $15 million to the Gavi, that is the International Vaccine Alliance. But all we need is one successful outcome and the readiness of countries to share these resources.
0: Internet's most important law made a lot of buzz last week. US President Donald Trump signed an executive order which aims to revoke Section 230, a law that provides immunity to tech companies over user-generated content on their platforms. The move comes as Twitter fact-checked the president for the first time over violation of its policy. As the fight between Trump and the big tech brews, what impact could this have on small and independent firms? As more and more firms move online following social distancing norms, Arun Sundarajan, author of award-winning book, The Sharing Economy, wrote in The Hill that repealing Section 230 might have dire economic and social consequences. Millions of small businesses depend on social media advertising to reach their customers. The dependence will grow as continued social distancing pushes more commerce online. For example, food delivery companies like Uber Eats, fearing the liability associated with bad dining experience might shift their focus from independent food outlets to big corporates like Burger King or McDonald's. The legal protections provided by Section 230 are unique to the US law. According to India Kanoon, Section 79 of the IT Act 2000 offers intermediaries protection from liability provided that they have neither initiated nor modified the transmission of the message. So what triggered Section 230? It all goes back to the 1950s. Jeff Kozeff, author of the book The 26 Words That Created the Internet, said in an interview to The Verge. There was a Los Angeles ordinance that said if you have obscene material in your store, you can be held criminally responsible. So a vice officer sees this erotic book that he believes is obscene and the owner goes to jail. And here comes the publisher-distributor debate. The Supreme Court ruled the ordinance unconstitutional, saying there is no way that a distributor like a bookstore could review every bit of content before they sell it. During the early internet era, a brokerage firm sued Prodigy Services, an internet service provider, after one of the platform's anonymous users accused it of fraud. The court treated prodigy as a publisher, because it moderated content and hence acted more like a newspaper. Back then, online platforms could reduce their liability by not moderating content. And that's what triggered Section 230. This was the pre-Google, pre-Facebook and pre-Twitter era. Presently, traditional media like magazines, newspapers can be sued for defamation based on third-party content they know to be false but social media platforms cannot be found similarly liable for the content they host. That's all for this time. Thanks for listening.